Welcome to Dudes on Movies, a podcast where dudes talk about movies. I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And today we're discussing 1973's Oh, Lucky Man, directed by Lindsay Anderson, starring Malcolm McDowell. But before we do that, let's talk about what we've been watching. Dave, what have you been watching? Um, yeah, dude, there's a there's a movie uh, from 1957 directed by Elliot Kazan that you have to see. Uh-huh. Uh, it's called A Face in the Crowd. Okay. Haven't seen it. And a lot of people haven't even heard of it. It's 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 this really um, it's for, for for a movie that is in the Library of Congress is one of those culturally uh, you uh-huh. know uh, culturally aesthetic or whatever. Um, no one ever talks about it because it, it's it's just so obscure for for it being this like kind of uh, I guess revered. Andy right. Griffith is the star, and it predicts the future. What yeah. Andy Griffith in an Elia Kazan movie? Yeah. Okay. He's. Out of control. This guy, like I, 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 you haven't seen very many movie performances this good. Wow. Um, and what's the premise? He is a uh, a guy who's like in prison, and um, a radio producer plucks him out, and it turns out he's very charismatic, and she turns him into a star, um, mm-hmm. a TV star. Wow. Okay. Called, named Lonesome Rhodes. And, uh, <laughs> That's his name. That's yeah, his name. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> holy crap, dude! Like this guy is. Uh, I, I I don't even want to spoil it because it's, okay, it's, it's, it's just like like everything we see now is in this movie. Every everything we know about like people following an asshole, you know, mm-hmm. to an asshole who is a great man, right? You know, and has a lot of legions, a lot of dumbass people following him. That's yeah. what's going on in this movie. Okay, and it was cool. 1957. I, I, you got to see it. Wow. Yeah, I'm blown away, Dave. Yeah, dude. I I uh, watched something else. I watched uh, a Norwegian film from 2015. It's called The Wave. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of this. It had some steam in America this last year. Okay. It had a limited release. Uh, looked great. Mm. Um, it had some good critical response to it. Yeah. Nothing fantastically spectacular or anything, but right. it's a good disaster movie. Okay. It stars Christopher Joner. That's not how you say it, probably, but whatever. Oh, right. He, he looks like... He's like Norway's Norman Reedus. <laughs> Shit. But uh, <laughs> it's about these cliffsides in Norway that uh-huh. are falling off into the fjords and stuff. Sure. And these giant 80 meter tall waves are uh, uh, demolishing cities. And this yes. has happened in real life. Yes. And it's about that happening. That's your disaster in this disaster movie. Okay. Um, it, it falls into a lot of the trappings that a disaster movie has. Yeah. The good and the bad. But uh, it's very well done. It's one of the better ones I've seen. And uh, the special effects look good with the wave. Right. And there's some sequences that I thought were awesome and even plausible, actually. So if you want to see a disaster movie, watch The Wave, man. It's on Netflix. You can watch it dubbed or with subtitles. They got both? As my girlfriend found out. (laughs) She was like, why are their mouths not synced up with the words? I was like, you know, that's a Norwegian film. Sorry. Love you. Yeah. But we watched it subtitled, and good. yeah, it was yeah. good. It was good. So yeah, the wave, everybody. Yeah, wow, a couple of deep cuts. Yeah, deep cuts. So now let's talk about Oh Lucky Man, Dave. Mm-hmm. Why don't you give everyone a synopsis? Boy, um, you try know, to. Yeah, w- w- many times <laughs> on on our show, I've tried to give a synopsis of a movie that you just can't give a synopsis of, and this is another one of those. And I. I, I can't give it like Godfather status of just go watch Oh Lucky Man because it's just not as famous as that. But what this movie is is really about, I guess, is just life in a capitalist society. And it's trying to teach you a lesson. Yeah, it's 
it's really hard to describe. Yeah. Like you said, it's it's a um, kind of a satirical jab. Yeah. At capitalism, and it's surrealist in ways. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a really hard to describe film. It's a musical in a way. Yeah. Like it has songs throughout the whole thing, all originally written by Alan Price. Alan I Price is his name. Uh, written and performed. Yeah. So, and he's actually in the movie in a meta context. It's <laughs> he's it's such a crazy movie. I mean, yeah. Like he, him and his band are the Greek chorus that they keep cutting away to mm-hmm. in a studio, and then suddenly now they're in the movie as characters. Mm-hmm. And then Malcolm McDowell is at the studio, and you he's interacting like, with them. Yeah, I know. And, yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's it's difficult to pin down this one. Uh, this definitely is a Dave favorite, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, um, what draws you to this film, really? Like, what what makes you really like it? Well, what originally drew me to it was just that I was such a huge Malcolm McDowell head. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I I just loved I loved Clockwork Orange so much, and I wanted to know, like, I wanted to see his other stuff that he had done around this time. Mm-hmm. And I I must have walked by the double VHS box of Oh Lucky Man for six months. Like, I just right. kept picking it up and turning it over and going, God, I, I don't want to watch this long movie. That's I, right, I, it's I can't three get hours. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Finally, one night I did, and I, I just really regretted having having walked by it and passed it by so often because, like, what I guess first got me was, like, just like The Seventh Seal, I watched it in the dark by myself mm-hmm. after having, you know, worked the night shift. And Wendy's. Like, yes, the, Wendy's was ever-present. <laughs> I mean... Or rallies or wherever else. Whatever the hell, yeah. Jack in the crack. Um, (laughs) It it, it was this weird life I was leading that was was just a lot of late nights and a lot of, uh, like, kind of my own film school. Right. Nothing can really, whenever whenever you do it that way, or, or, or if you watch it today, like, kind of with more adult eyes, I think what gets you is that what other actor, I mean, like, can you name an actor before or since whose, like, entire career is, like, sincerely specializing in only the weirdest shit. I, I don't know. I'd have to think about that one. Yeah, I mean... That's for sure. Yeah. Johnny Depp had that, like, had that mantle for a while, but, yeah. but he's not doing what Malcolm McDowell's doing. He's doing commercial films, you know? Yes. He's doing what this movie's making fun of. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I mean, like, like y- y- and you... You almost can't make a lucky man today because it's too far gone and and the, its ideas are not not that people don't talk about these kinds of things but people don't make a lot of movies about them certainly. Right. And especially long ones like right. 3 hours long that doesn't make a lot of sense when you look at it at the surface <laughs> level. Like if you're yeah. trying to follow a narrative it's oh, like yeah. What? Didn't he just jump out of a 10-story window? Wait, now he's riding a bike? Like <laughs> okay, right? It's, it, yeah, it's it it's not, it's not easy cinema. I it's, would say it, no, it's not, and and it's it's definitely um, even if you are a cinephile, I guess just just prepare yourself to 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 be. Um, it's a confusing narrative, and there 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 isn't a lot to uh, to to ground you because you you you're going to realize right away this is an episodic movie. Yeah, and it even has the title cards that pop up. Yeah, in the, when he goes to different locations of England. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess let's set up like. The basic kind of story that's kind of happening here. The spine of it, right. Yeah. um, Mick Travis is, or Malcolm McDowell's, I did it again, I almost called him Andy McDowell. (laughs) Malcolm McDowell. (laughs) Plays Mick Travis, and he is being trained to be a coffee salesman. Yeah. And he gets handed this huge northeastern territory that he needs to sell coffee in, and then... um, 
things just happen to them. <laughs> and you get to see, I guess you see how capitalism affects him in different ways mm-hmm. and affects the people he meets in this movie. Yeah. Like you see how it it's done on different levels too, like how government affects it and religion and commerce yes. and prison and everything. Like right. you see how that um, is all a part of it. Um, that That's kind of part of this episodic thing. Yes. So like he goes to, I, I don't know the city, but he goes to Northeastern I'm, England. Yeah. And, uh-huh. and then what happens up there? I can't even well, keep it straight. I know. Of the sequence of events because it's, it's like, it could be in any order almost. It's it's kind of the first time we've ever done a movie where, where we should probably have like a whiteboard saying, and then this happened, right, and yeah. then this happened. Got you know, strings like, attached to thumbtacks. Yes, it's like... be like Homeland with the red yarn. <laughs> yeah. <Right. laughs> um, you know, I, what, what I know is when he, when he goes to this place, I mean, he, he, he fir- it's when he first kind of starts to understand how business works because he goes into the Lord Mayor's uh, party and mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of shit going down. Uh, you know, people are people are kind of getting loaded, and they're they're. Ha- it's a sex party. It's kind of they're watching you know, pornography on the screen. Yes. there's people. Yes, doing things on yeah, the stage. Yeah, there's, there's a live sex show. Yeah, chocolate sandwich. Yeah, chocolate sandwich is oh, happening. God. Um, it's <laughs> yeah, it's a like look the the idea of sitting with those old scumbags and watching live sex show. I I I can't. No I way. was really uncomfortable watching that stuff. I was me, like, me too. man, yeah. Mick, what are you doing? And Get out of this place. And he's just down for and, it. And he's you know? such an ambitious person. Yeah. Um. So, like, he's like, okay, this is how it goes. You know, so mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. He even says that before this, you got to have stamina and ambition. <laughs> um, and before, like, what's the song that plays? Sell Everything You Stand For? Yeah, yeah, I love yeah, that yeah. song. And he's, like, practicing in the mirror, like, his, like, sales pitches. <laughs> yep. And then and after that is when we get to this party scene. So, you know, he's just like going to do whatever it takes to get ahead. And sure. he keeps saying that throughout the film. Like even when he sees um, well, the giant skyscraper in London, like, yeah. like I'm going to make it there one day. Right. You know? He's obsessed with it almost. Yeah. I mean, like like success is, is the thing that just gets him motivated for every day. That, that's all he cares about is success. No matter no matter what method he has to use, no matter what the fallout of his actions are. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like, and that, and that's driven home even before the opening credits with that, that black and white sequence of Malcolm McDowell yeah. as a, uh, a Latin plantation. Yeah. Uh, like worker. a, yeah. Like picking coffee beans. Yes. And, um, like th- there's this, there's this drooling, disgusting, uh, white sort of slave owner who, who put, who, sentences him to have his hands sawed off because he stole a coffee bean. Uh-huh. They have to get that out of the way first, and then we get into Alan Price um, immediately yeah. cut to their, you know, talking, <laughs> singing about how, you know, if you have this, you're a lucky man. Right. I think it's the only time in the movie where, where the uh, where the commentary is not subtle. Well, They're, yeah, you have the pop-ups saying, mm-hmm. lucky, not lucky. Sure. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's really overplayed, and it's supposed to look like, you know, a turn of the... 20th century film that's right this is a you know the great train robbery yeah exactly because it looks ancient footage yes and and it's and it's centered in the middle of the screen i mean it's it's a very like small almost like you're watching a nickelodeon or something yeah it's like squared yep it's it's a it's a perfect square yeah it is you know right it's not three by four or anything no no it's like squared and the edges are rounded (laughs) (laughs) it looks ancient yeah um which is good that's a good filmmaking technique to show right 
um, the old time, I guess. Right, and, and they got they got to like just establish right away that this is what is on the back end of you, you know, enjoying your enjoying commerce. Mm-hmm. You know, here's your coffee. Yeah, enjoy it. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> people always make fun of like uh, th- th- there's there's this coffee that is available at this place here in in our town uh, that is fair trade coffee, and it's it's very expensive mm-hmm. um like like ridiculously so it's like 18 dollars a cup i mean yeah it is mm-hmm. and like that's what it costs if you know that no one's human that, that no one has been dehumanized mm-hmm. um nowhere along the way was anyone abused in any in in some way and everything that we do everything that we have like someone has had to pay a really terrible price for it right i'm glad you brought that up cuz that's a lot of what like Sir James mm-hmm. is about. Yeah. Uh, Ralph Richardson's character. Well, one of them. One of them. We should mention in the movie, the same actors play multiple characters. Yes. Which is so strange. <laughs> I mean, you see this sometimes in movies. Yeah. But like this was not just to, I mean, it has a point, I think. Right. Because like the same characters are in different scenes almost kind of contradicting what their previous characters were doing in I, ways. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. or, or it's like a mirror image. Like when he gets out of prison, it's the same people who were the students at the learn right. how to sell coffee thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they're both prisoners of, you know, their job or whatever, you know? So e- yeah. Each, each subsequent sketch is like the, yeah. uh, like a bizarro universe. Yeah. So it's so weird that way. Uh-huh. Um, and it's good used to great effect. Right. But um, like Sir James's part in the movie is he's Helen Mirren's, father mm-hmm. who owns that skyscraper his time's worth 500 pounds a minute you come to find out <laughs> but he there's the the part where he's meeting with the the african governors or whatever about yeah. opening the resort uh-huh and it's showing how you know the natives will provide entertainment with their ritual dancing and it's showing this awful you know footage of people just being abused not yeah, like people- physically but just taken advantage of and your culture is now my entertainment yes yeah i it, know it's well, terrible. And then they, they, they wrap it up with like actual footage of like like pictures of, of people having been tortured. Yeah. Um and you know, for, for the for the smallest offenses. I mean that that aren't even offenses, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um just not working as hard as they, they should be working for, yep. for the for the thirty five cents uh, a week that they were supposed they were getting. Yep. The stuff that's in this movie, it, it, I mean like the lessons it's trying to teach you is it sometimes it's subtle and sometimes it just like clubs you in the face. Yeah. Like it, like with these with the stuff that they're this showing part, at this yeah. meeting. Yeah. And then there's the one general is talking about, well, we need more honey. He's yep. talking about napalm. Right. He's going to spray these people yes. with napalms. There's like a resistance group in that country. Right. And uh, Sir James is just concerned if it's going to halt production. You know, <laughs> how much more honey do you need? I'll get it for you. Yeah. Man. Like talking about just taking away these human rights to, to make course. a buck. Right. Exactly. It, it's totally right there. That's it. Spelled out in front of you. Yeah, and, and, and like slapping you across the face. Like you said, it's uh-huh. not subtle. No. it's There's subtle parts in the movie, but this is one of those where it's over the top, cramming it down your throat. Right. And I think it needs to be like, like th- th- that That needs to be, I guess, slap, you need to be slapped in the face with that kind of information. Mm-hmm. Um, like th- th- there's no reason to kind of uh, tread lightly when it, when it comes to people being taken advantage of and in some cases killed just for business purposes. Like total scorched earth policy just so that you can keep your shareholders happy. Mm-hmm. It's quite ugly and nothing has changed. I mean, nope. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, like there are, there are more regulations now, but, but 
you know, people get around them. And, uh, you mm-hmm. know, and the, the way they get around them now is that, that it makes them even worse than the industrialists, you know, from the early uh, 19th and, and 20th centuries. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're just more shrewd now, which is, yeah, boy, we've had some depressing episodes lately. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> this isn't necessarily <clears throat> completely depressing. No, I mean, because there's a lot in this movie that is yeah. not the seventh seal. Yeah, that's right. And the movie's actually pretty funny in spots. Too. Oh, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I, I thought it was quite humorous. Oh, yeah, of course. Mm hmm. And even even the humor, it's not just straight up comedy. It's it's always like, just like most of Malcolm McDowell's work and Lindsay Anderson's work, there, there, there's always something else going on when when they're showing you any image. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when when he first when Mick is walking across after he escapes the he escapes the military compound. Mm-hmm. There's that shot of the church and the pasture in the countryside. Mm-hmm. It's so gorgeous, and it, and it just just like everything else in this movie. I mean, like you're looking at planet Earth at at its best. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, it's this oasis, you know, for both shelter and to escape kind of the ugliness of war and government and business. But they they can't leave it there. As soon as Malcolm gets into that church, mm-hmm. uh, Mick walks in, and there's though there's people are singing hymns. You know, there's going to be a boob in his mouth. Uh, oh. pretty soon. God. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess I, I saw it. I guess I guess you don't know it, but 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 you know that that, that it is not. He's not going to be reverent to Christianity, right? Um, and they're going to do something profane to extricate you from from this loveliness, right? So what he's trying to do, he's I guess he's starving because he's been walking through a, a barren wasteland, yeah. and finally stumbles upon this farm. With the church, and there's all these offerings of food up on, you know, the altar or whatever. Yeah. And he goes to grab some bread, and then the lady says, no, that's God's food, um, so he can't get it. And then she breastfeeds him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what he's trying to say exactly here, <laughs> but, like, maybe he's trying to comment on religion by saying, you know, God gets it all. He's not giving you anything. I don't know. That's how I take it. Yeah. 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 So, um. But yeah, but, quite blasphemous stuff. If you, <laughs> I mean, yeah, if, yeah if, if you have those beliefs that way, like <laughs> this is not, you're not going to enjoy yourself Mm-mm. because th- this stuff is all over the place. And it isn't just a, a woman breastfeeding uh, Mick Travis, you know, here. It's everywhere he goes, sex is used either to encourage him in business or, or and, it, and it's, it's very easy for him to get. It just comes to him. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's, it's never a thing where he has to, I guess, uh, like he's not out there trying to get laid. No, not at all. He's just stumbling around, and then <laughs> it happens. Malcolm's smile and his face are very close to perfect at this time of his life. Yeah, even, he's almost Mick Jagger esque. Yes, he is. I mean, even the men can't get enough of him. I mean, like like the the warden tells him he has eyes like Steve McQueen. Oh yeah, that's right. You know, <laughs> that's right. I thought he was gonna kiss him. So did I. I did. I mean, and he's an actor who. Uh, He's he's played several roles in the movie already, and here he is with all this chin putty on, playing this warden who is clearly in love with Malcolm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I I thought the first time I saw it, I was like, this guy's kissing Malcolm McDowell, but no kiss. But it didn't. So happen. no kissing. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So besides all this deep stuff, it has. It also looks great, like you've touched on. Yes. The editing is really good. Mm-hmm. It does a lot of cutting from the scene. And going black for about a quarter of a second or half a second. And then yeah. either cutting back to the scene to show something happening maybe 10 seconds later. Mm-hmm. And then quickly cutting back out. and Or just cutting right to a completely next scene. Right. Um, it's it's a very jarring cut. 
it's that an, they do. And it's an effect I've never seen anywhere else. Yeah, it's almost like um, when you flip up, you're doing a slideshow and yes. you click the button and it goes... Yeah, and brings yeah up that's right. Uh-huh. It's like that kind of. Yep. But yeah, it's quite odd, but it's very effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in many ways, the, the, this like... And, and stuff like that doesn't really have to have a purpose, I guess, or doesn't have to... There doesn't have to be a reason for it. That's why I've been sort of straining through this entire episode, like like trying to come up with reasons for things. Yeah. I, I think that when you're dealing in... in something that is teetering on the avant-garde, trying to explain it away, you, you, you can't really explain what's going on. It is. It's hard because the whole is greater than the sum of the pieces, you know? Yeah, of like, course. You, if you're looking at it individually, like this scene here is this, why is this? Right. Um, you can't really place it, but you take it with another scene and try to figure it out. How, how does it relate to that? Yeah. And then as the whole message of the movie... What does that mean? Mm-hmm. What if that scene wasn't there? Well, then what might the movie mean? I mean, true. This movie's pretty deep, dude. It's got <laughs> a lot to it. Yeah, no um, doubt. Going through my notes, I was like, how am I going to even? How am I going to even talk about this movie? Right. You know, it, it's really hard. It, yeah, it is. It um, is. And back to the technical stuff. Like, there's two really good, you know, filmmaking techniques I really liked. Mm-hmm. Where he doesn't show stuff. Like the car accident towards like the beginning yes. part of the film when that red car right. gets in an accident with the bakery truck or yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. All they show is the car pass around Malcolm McDowell and go into the fog. Yes. And then a couple seconds later, you just hear sound effects of a car crashing, but you still see the fog. That's it. Just the fog. Right. Um, and then it cuts and you're at the accident. So you, he didn't have to put on a huge production of what a car doing 10 flips or some shit you know <laughs> um it was really cool yeah like i don't know if Lindsay anderson did independent work was he an independent filmmaker oh yeah or? this is i mean like like he i know that a lot of his stuff was was i mean he, he was in the british studio system and, yeah. and all that kind of thing but like like over there it it definitely felt like films were different like mainstream film in britain was what did have that independent spirit okay um i, I don't think there was a lot of oversight from the people who ran those studios. Okay, cool. That's yeah. good. Mm-hmm. And then there's another scene after he escapes that government facility. Yes. And it explodes. Yes. He's climbing up the the hillside and you just see like smoke coming in and then uh, you hear giant explosions and see uh-huh. flashes of light. Right. They don't show this thing, you know, going nuclear or anything. <laughs> right. They just show him climbing up this hillside with, you know, maybe some debris coming in and mm-hmm. some smoke and lights and sound. That's it. And it's really good. I really like it. I I do too, and it shows again how 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 you can portray all of that uh, destruction and all that collateral damage w- without showing a damn thing. I mean, like just having some smoke and Malcolm McDowell walking across a burned out forest. Yeah, and there's sirens in the background, and, and you hear like people screaming and stuff like that. You you know what happened. You don't need to have a big CG war. You know, right? Being, yeah, being fought. You know, <laughs> out of focus. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can convey those ideas without that right, stuff. Right, it's not an Alfonso Cuarón movie. It's not. That's for you know, sure. Like, yeah, I, I almost said uh, the, <laughs> the, the, the he who not be, he will not be named, you okay. know, uh, the initials MB. Uh, <laughs> but, like, you're you're right about Cuarón, though, because, like, everybody, it's not just Michael Bay. No, it, it's, it's not. It's everyone uses this stuff. Everyone has to stage these gigantic, um, you know, like, horrific uh, things. Right. And, I was Boy. thinking children of men when that popped in my head. Oh, yeah, yeah of course. So. Right. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, no, <laughs> right, but I, and this this movie has has something in common with those kinds of like Quaron's films. Uh-huh. I mean, like like children of men. I mean, even though this is satirical and even though they're, they're, people are kind of winking at times, there are also moments where 
it gets real serious. Like Mick is in peril. Um, like at the military compound. Yeah. When he's being sweated down by uh, by Philip Stone. Mm-hmm. Philip Stone actually is, it, I should say, one of my favorite villainous actors in cinema. Every time you see him, um, he plays multiple roles in this movie, just uh-huh. like just like everybody else does. I mean, he was also Delbert Grady in The Shining. Oh, uh, was he? Yeah, he's standing there in the in the bathroom talking to Jack Nicholson okay. about what he needs to okay. do. Okay, yeah, yeah. He's the guy who killed his daughters. Yep. Um, when they strap him to that chair and start torturing him, it's it's pretty horrifying. It is because you know? they're electrocuting him in the neck. Yeah. And you don't know why they're doing it. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. No. You're you're riding this with Malcolm right yeah, here. Yeah, like, exactly. It's uh, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> I just I was just trying to figure out where I was. Yes, I was lost. Yes. Um. Yeah. And so these guys are questioning him and want them to sign a confession. Um. <laughs> and he's like, "What have I done?" Right. And that's so they electrocute him. And they're like, eventually they're like, you know. Either you can, you know, get electrocuted and sign it, or you can just sign it. Like, what are you going to do? And <laughs> after a little bit of electrocution, he signs it. Yeah. And I love this scene because the lady serving tea comes into the office. Right. And is like, she's, she knows the two men. Like, you know, this is their office, I guess. Like, uh-huh. Oh, you guys want some tea? And like, <laughs> yes, I'll take some. And she's like, well, what about the young man? And <laughs> they're like, well, maybe later. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, she she never breaks decorum. Yeah. I mean, like 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 she is a proper English lady. He's there, strapped to a chair, getting electrocuted, and she There's says, "Well, what about the face? young what man? What about the young, young man? man?" Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 afternoon tea time. Mm-hmm. You know, would he, he have to have a biscuit <laughs> and some tea? <laughs> so then the facility blows up, and he gets out. Yep. So. There's that end of that episode, I guess. Yes. And I love he go. He runs back to his car. He he stumbles back to his car somehow. He gets uh-huh. there, and um, his suit is still like there, like, yeah, hanging up on the fence, like right. not destroyed yet. The gold suit. Yeah, he has yeah. a golden suit. Right. I was gonna ask you what what is what does the golden suit symbolize? Do you have any clue? Like, what does it mean? I unfortunately is I it don't a have... symbol of like capitalism or something I, I i think it's as simple as that maybe I it's mean, his desire to yeah to gain money right. i don't know right and i mean like like i said trying to interpret all of these signs sometimes can exhaust you mm-hmm. and i don't know what this gold sequin suit is about i mean he just puts <laughs> it on and it's and it's insane to look at he looks good yes. he looks pretty sharp man he does i mean it really He's ready to disco i mean malcolm carries it well <laughs> yes <laughs> But then, you know, and after he gets out of the, after he realizes his suit is okay, that's, I think, when he runs down the hill and then he goes in the, into that, you know, like into that, the church. Into the church. Yeah. And then from there, um, did you notice who played the guy who picked him up? When he, when he leaves the church to yeah. hitchhike? Uh-huh. I, no. It was dim. Was it? Yeah. Okay. He looked familiar. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's awesome. It was dim. <laughs> and dim is also running that sex from club. From Clockwork, everybody. Yes. Yeah, from Clockwork Orange. <laughs> um, he's also the guy who's the MC at the sex club. Okay, uh, cool. You know, the, who announces chocolate sandwich. Is Georgie in the movie? George, I, I was looking for them. I'm thinking to myself, okay, I bet the other droogs are hidden in here somewhere. Okay. I, but I, I, Dim's the only one I could positively identify. Well, at the end of the film, it says this is all based on an idea of Malcolm McDowell's. Yeah, because he had worked as a coffee salesman before he was an actor. Oh, really? Yeah. And this is what it was like. I guess, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? I bet Malcolm McDowell's life kind of closely parallels his movies. Oh, my God. I mean, I hope it's not like Clockwork Orange. I think it's more like Caligula, Oh, Lucky Man, and Britannia Hospital. Dude, okay. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Um, So after this, he goes to the, 
you know, Dim picks him up and he goes <laughs> to the experimental hospital to make a hundred dollars, a hundred pounds, a hundred pounds. Yeah. Um, you, you've <laughs> alluded to me about a scene in this movie for probably close to a decade now. Yeah. The sheep man. <laughs> oh Christ. Will you explain the sheep man? Sure. Um, I'll try to explain the sheep man. <laughs> Okay, so so like, like Mick is has agreed to to this to to be experimented on by this insane doctor mm-hmm. um, for for one hundred and forty pounds. Forty uh, pounds. He negotiates and he it starts at one fifty, but he gets to one. Right? Can I say something about that real quick before sure. you keep going? I love that he's like reading his contract. He's gonna sign. He's always signing things in this movie. Yes, and that's another yes. thing here uh-huh. that they're pointing in your face. Of course. Um, he relinquishes all rights to his body for a week for a hundred pounds. And he like reads it out loud and he's like, for a hundred pounds? Like, no way. He goes, 150 pounds. <laughs> so you're gonna that's how important money is yeah, in this world. Of course. You know, people will sell their bodies for a buck. And then they barter and get down to one forty over a week's worth of <laughs> No unregulated experimentation <laughs> on your body. I love it. That's, it was great. I know, dude. And, and like you said about signing everything all the time, like I think we've cracked it. This movie is about atrocities and red tape. Mm-hmm. I mean, like that's what we're dealing with. That's a every good way scene. to put it. I mean, yeah. holy shit. Um, and and now back to the sheep man. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, so you know as we explained, he's in this he's in this hospital and he's about to get experimented on. But but before they can like they, they they put him down I guess to uh, to put him to sleep so that they can start doing their stuff, but I guess uh, the tranquilizer didn't work on him or he didn't swallow it mm-hmm. because after after the doctor and his helpers leave the room, Mick opens his eyes and tries to make his escape. Um, I guess because he either has second thoughts or he just wants to go exploring in the hospital. Right, because that's what he's been doing everywhere he goes. Yes, just kind of walks around. Right, just until until someone you know like clubs him or or he <laughs> <Right>. escapes. <Yeah. laughs> and uh, ma'am, he goes into somebody's room, and uh, there's this poor guy who's like sort of screaming in pain and whimpering underneath a sheet. Uh, all you see is his head, mm-hmm. and Malcolm is trying to get him to to. He you says, know, "How much are they paying you? Yeah, how much are they paying you?" <laughs> And the guy won't answer. He can't form words because Malcolm pulls the blanket back and the only thing left on him is that's human is his head. Mm-hmm. He has a goat's body. Yeah. A, a big fat sheep. <laughs> and he's trembling in this bed. It's pretty bad. And it's... It's it's horror movie it, stuff. It, it is. It is. And then Malcolm McDowell lets out this scream. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know... Yep. Now, again... Picture the scene, dude. It's 1998, and it's pitch black, and I am, you know, and my hands are pitch black from grease, mm-hmm. and and, I, and I'm, I'm I'm eating rallies, uh-huh. and and it's like life is not great, <laughs> and and this is what it's on my this flickering image in the dark. I mean, like I I, I swear I I almost pissed myself just just out of like straight like oh my god what am I even doing mm-hmm. you know? But I kept with it, and I'm glad I did because the movie's great. But like. Damn you, Lindsay Anderson, for showing for for showing me this. You know, yeah, it's definitely something you do not expect. No, it, it, this body horror in the middle of this satire on commercialism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 and how 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 would you rate it compared to Cronenberg? I mean, like this particular scene. It's equal to Cronenberg. I I think so too. Yeah, not as much like slime or yeah right. blood or disfigurement, but right. as far as terror. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> God. Definitely. And and, I, and makeup, like, yeah. work. Uh-huh. It yes. looks yes. as good as Cronenberg's stuff from the 80s. It does. You're right. And, and I mean, I, I guess because of economy of the film, like, like they only had to do one scene. So I was like, okay, let's put everything into this. Mm-hmm. We're only going to do this once. So let's really make people crap themselves. Yeah, because it know? starts, like, convulsing and doing, like, Ugh. you see the body moving in yes. little uh, yes and the guy's head like his face is like help me yeah it's desperation yeah it's right. uh and it's only a, a second or two in this in the movie but it's enough to get you and i know i'm glad i knew about it because uh-huh. it wasn't it didn't terrify me like good like okay. um it was intended to yeah. because i'd known it was there and i was right. prepared for it right but dude still it impacts you of course even seeing that yeah <laughs> <laughs> it looked better than I thought it would. It looked a lot better. You can see the stitches on yeah, the neck yeah. where it's connecting the two. Oh, God. <laughs> and then this is when he screams and he runs and jumps out the window. <laughs> and then he's on a bike and he gets picked up by the band. <laughs> yeah. And starts making out with Helen Mirren. <laughs> oh, yes, exactly. And and Helen Mirren, 1973, you know, the, the wild, brawless, irresistible Helen Mirren, you know, parading around the film. <laughs> I mean, she is just like like what what a what what her career has become, um, like this kind of just just great esteemed you know right grand dame of the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, she has always been that way for fifty years. That that that's she she's been that good, mm-hmm. and she got there really honestly by doing stuff like this. Right, you know, um, she wasn't in. I guess really mainstream stuff, and and she still has managed to 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 have a, a really long career while while sticking to uh, doing only interesting films. Right. Well, she's very talented. Yes. So if you're that talented, you're gonna get work. Right. And you have the benefit of choosing things. Too. That's true. So mm-hmm. perfect for her. And not only that, but like we've said, she's acclaimed. I mean, she's right. She's been awarded. By the Academy, like, oh, I yeah, mean, and yeah. multiple awards outlets. So, mm-hmm. I mean, she's right. been recognized and, you know, has been able to do things her own way, I would say. Yes. I don't know her personal, you know, career choices or interactions, but I'm assuming she's had a lot of control over it, which I, is great. Yes. As I, with Malcolm McDowell, actually. Right. You, you can tell by the movies they're in that they have, they've had control over it and that they've, they've made these choices on their own. Good, good calls. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, yeah, absolutely. Because like the, the the these movies here, they are over forty years old, and we're still talking about them. That's true. You know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm. So there's some blackface in this movie. I, I thought this might come up. Yeah, yeah. we got to talk about the blackface. Yeah. This is the scene when we'd already discussed when Sir James is discussing, you know, the resort in Africa. Yeah. The dignitary from Africa is definitely played by a white man. Do you know which actor it is? Uh, Arthur Lowe. Okay, Arthur Lowe. Mm-hmm. One of a couple characters he's played yeah, in the movie. Yeah, he's played multiple characters. Um, and he's done up with blackface. Mm-hmm. He's playing an African leader. Yeah. Um, racist? Not racist. Um, anytime there's blackface <laughs> in a film, it's racist. Okay. Uh, and it's definitely the biggest mistake that Lindsay Anderson makes in this movie is, is this particular scene. Well, this sequence, this two scenes mm-hmm. uh, where Arthur Lowe is, oh, is right. done mm-hmm. up as the president of the fictional nation of Zing- Zingara. Mm-hmm. There, there were black actors in this scene who could have played right, this yeah. part. I don't know if he was making a commentary on blackface in general, but you can't touch it. Right. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I was thinking that's part of the satire. That's part of the point he's trying to make. Yes. I don't think he would have done it just because he wanted to do blackface. I don't think so either. Yeah. Right. But still, yeah, like you said, Mm -hmm. is that right? 
I don't know. You, you almost filmmakers can't do it. push stuff. Yeah, so. I mean, and and if you want to push something, then then it's it's fair for you to do that. Um, it's it deserves to be talked about. And I, I guess the first time I saw it, I kept waiting for him to be revealed as the Fed. Yeah, like as a white man. Yes, I was yes. expecting that too. Right. He he would arrest Sir James and st- get out a, a like a, a hanky and wipe off the shoe polish off his <laughs> right. face. Right. Gotcha. Uh huh. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. And it just never happens. And it's it is it is an unfortunate part of the movie. And regardless of what their intentions were, like I said, I mean, blackface is so caustic and so unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Uh. It's been un- it's it was always unacceptable, but it certainly was unacceptable by 1973. Yeah, by society. Yes, and just like when Ted Danson tried to do that thing at the Friars Club or whatever, um, you know, you can't do it. You 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 just I forgot about that. Yes, <laughs> it's 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 not something you can do anymore. And I wish it wasn't in the movie. Yeah, I'd I forgotten mean, it was there. And as I watched, it, I'm like, oh shit, Scott's seeing this again. Yeah, you know? like it's. <laughs> I think he is trying to comment on something yeah. here. Yeah, he yes. Uh, he was aware of Yeah, he knows what he was doing. Yeah. Uh but still I don't I haven't thought about it enough to right. figure out if it was necessary. Probably not. No. Probably not. Particularly not when you have when when you had black actors in the movie who could have played that part. Right. <laughs> you know. And like when you see the the guy in blackface next to the actual black actor, it's like what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> how how do you think yeah. this is getting that like, you're getting away with this? I know. Yeah. But again, like I don't think he's trying to get away like with like doing us over, you know. He's yeah. he's trying to show us, oh, this is actually a white guy in black makeup. <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say. Figure it out. But yeah, dude. I, I mean, it doesn't need to be, I don't think it needs to be here. So. No, it, it doesn't. And just just for blackface in general, one more thing, I guess. Like I know that that for 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 the whole century, well, for for four centuries now, every time you you play Othello, somebody's in blackface. Do you have to? Well, I mean, you don't have to. You you could just like like the characters could just refer to Othello as the Moor, and you could have someone who is playing a Moor without their skin being brown. Um, but Lawrence Olivier is in blackface in in Othello. Um, Orson Welles was in blackface. Yeah. Um, and you, you like, and then they, they, oh, they, God. when when Kenneth Branagh finally made his version, he just got Lawrence Fishburne to play Othello. Well, that makes sense. Which, that which that he can play that. That's part. a good call. That's a great there casting. Yes, a great actor, a truly <laughs> the great Idris actor. Idris Elba in the next remake. Why not? Totally. And and hell, flip it around. Have Idris Elba play Iago. Right. You know, exactly. I mean, good lord. <laughs> you know, <laughs> have someone in white face. Yes. Yes. Why not? <laughs> All right, this is yeah. a dangerous path we're going down, it is. Dave. And, but I'm glad you brought it up because it needed to be talked about. Certainly, right. yes. Yeah. Um, so, what? Um, what? What about the smile? Let's talk about smiling. Yeah. Dave. Okay. Um, I, I, oh man, you're bringing up great points. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Okay. So I, I love at the beginning they're being taught to always smile. So yeah. You can sell coffee, and everyone wants to buy from someone who's smiling. You know, yes. it doesn't matter if you mean it. Just smile. It doesn't matter. They don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then towards the end of the movie, it's completely the opposite. They're they're telling him to smile for a picture, and after he's gone through all this stuff, it's <laughs> it's, it's it's I love this line. Uh-huh. I love this line. He goes, "What is there to smile about?" <laughs> he won't smile yeah. for this for the director here, right? 
And he's like, well, just smile. Just do it. And he's like, well, what's that a smile about? He says it like five times. Yeah. I fucking love it. It is amazing. It's my favorite part of the movie. I, I agree. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because it's kind of like putting a bow on it. I know. I know. It's the cherry on top. It couldn't somehow. Have, it couldn't have ended any other way. Yeah. Like, how do you end a movie like this? You, I, you, you almost can't. It just has to stop. For, for the entire cast and crew to be metatextual in a scene, I mean, they have a wrap-up dance party. Like, this is probably the wrap-up party for the film. It They're probably shooting. is. Then They're just it's shooting weird. it. I know. Lindsay Anderson himself <laughs> comes in and tells Malcolm McDowell to smile. Right. To do a screen test. And then there's that great, you know, moment after the fifth time Malcolm says, what is there to smile about, where Lindsay Anderson clubs him with the script. <laughs> Like Malcolm has, um, only Malcolm McDowell can make that face of like having been <laughs> slapped and then glaring at someone. Um, his face is just shaped with those perfect angles mm-hmm. that it looks great in close up when he's about to snap. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it looks like he's about to smile almost too. It does, which is yes, great. Yes, I, I think that's intentional. It actually. is, <laughs> and 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 he can do it because he's brilliant and. Uh, Man, and and then Q. Allen Price. Yeah, <laughs> and, dance party time. Uh, that's right. Helen Mirren walks up, and uh, <laughs> you know, like she is just starting. She wants to, to to groove with Malcolm again. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, that's the end of the movie. It is. Yeah. Is there any other things in there you want to talk about? Well, there's so many things crammed in here. I, I know, and and I. It's so strange because I've this is another episode, man. Um, and I guess for the listeners too that I've been. I've been looking forward to talking about this movie for years. And every time I say that to myself and every time I pick these titles, I get on here and I decide and, and I, I, I sort of freeze. Okay. I, yeah. I, right. You know, Stage I, fright. exactly. Mm-hmm. I just start, I just start kind of like, like saying things that, that I, 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 I had this, this episode all mapped out. We were, we were both brilliant. You know, let's talking about like all the, 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 mm-hmm. the great concepts of this movie. And we were going to have this great philosophical <laughs> discussion. And, like be, because the movie isn't right in front of you, to, I, th- I think what we need to do is a director commentary on this movie. We need a to dude, watch a dude mentary, a dude mentary on <laughs> oh, this film because honestly, it's the only way to do it. It's the only way to truly talk about it is for us to, you know, be able to to actually see it while we're while we're making these insights. That would be something. And it's going to happen someday. If not with this one, then something something else. I, I promise you, everybody, we will do a commentary track on a film. That would be cool. If every, everybody, anybody's interested in that kind of stuff, yeah. let us know. Yeah. Well, you sync it up with the movie. Yes. That would be fun. It's been my dream to do it. And I'm sure on the first one, I'll be, um, <laughs> you know, I'll get stage let's, fright let's again. Let's do a, you know? a, a, something not this advanced today. Yes. Not a yes. three-hour Lindsay Anderson film. <laughs> Maybe we could do Back to the Future. Who, oh, knows? who knows? I don't know. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so before we wrap up mm-hmm. the Mick Travis trilogy. Yeah. So talk about that. I know you're thoroughly versed in that. Uh, yeah, I, I've, uh, it's, uh, I, I know you've seen, you've seen two of them now, I've right? seen If yeah. and this one. Uh-huh. Britannia Hospital is, is the, the, the kind of, um, it's hard to get. Mm-hmm. Um, you could probably just rent it through Amazon. Uh, it's on there. It is? Okay, yeah. cool. It's called the Mick Travis trilogy just because, you know, Malcolm McDowell is in all three movies. They aren't truly related he to He plays another. Mick Travis, though, in all three. He does. Right. He just answers to Mick Travis. Yeah. Um, 
and I, I, I know we're, we're to take it to mean that it is the same person in all three movies, but if you watched them out of order or in any order, you wouldn't be lost. It doesn't make sense if you watch any of these movies that there would be a sequel. No, it doesn't. I mean, <laughs> the end of If is him shooting up his school. Which, I mean, I, like he's yeah. definitely doing hard time for that offense right. uh, if he wasn't gunned down by you know the RAF right. at the end. Uh, and yet he's just selling coffee. Right. I mean... <laughs> going to dim sex parties yeah so you know it's it's yeah and and in britannia hospital it's 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 a lot of the the same i mean um and i shouldn't say it's a lot of the same it's it's just as messed up as the other as the first two movies are if you're gonna be like a a mick travis trilogy completist then that that's the way to go you just got to see see them all at least once Mm -hmm. it's definitely worth your time and and the rest of Lindsay anderson's filmography too uh really excellent stuff there you go Mm mm-hmm all right, so Dave, would you recommend it? Oh yes, uh, yeah, I would recommend <laughs> it. Um, I'd also just um, I, I mentioned about like seeing the rest of Lindsay Anderson's films. I'd encourage everybody to see seek out British cinema in the '60s and '70s because you're going to be blown away. Swinging '60s, yes, swinging London, swinging Yorkshire, wherever you want, whatever region of the of the country you want to go to, it's all there. It's it's and it's either working class stuff or it's really. Um, like sort of sexy stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's every everything that you want, everything that you wish American film today could be. They were already <laughs> doing in the sixties and seventies in Britain, and American cinema in the seventies was great too. But but Britain was right there with them. Cool. Yep. Um, I I'd, I'd recommend it too. Cool. I was kind of after watching it at first, I was like, I don't know, man. I, yeah. I, I, I need to digest this thing before I know if I'm going to recommend it or not. Yeah. And I, after talking with you and reviewing my notes today, I, I would recommend it. Good. It's okay. it's a this is an advanced level stuff, folks. So yes. get get the rest of your movies out of the way and then come to this one. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that wraps up the show. If you like what you heard, please subscribe in iTunes, rate it, review it, most of all, share it. That gets more dudes listening to the dudes. Join the dude army. Mm-hmm. Hashtag dude army. Also. Let us know about that commentary track. You want us to do yeah, that? Yeah, yes, That'd please. be awesome, man. Right. We would love to do it. Yeah, so find us anywhere else you can find a podcast, too, and go to dudesonmovies.com. You'll find anything you need right there. Yes, and we are on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Just look for Dudes on Movies. We'll come right up, and we have an email address, dudesonmovies at gmail.com. All right, so stay tuned for next week when we do 1992's Wayne's World, directed by Penelope Spiris, starring Michael Myers and Dana Carvey. <laughs> So, until next week, I'm your dude, Scott. I'm your dude, Dave. And we'll see you next time. Bye.